It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Ray White, the largest real estate and property group in Australasia. And welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Podcast, available on iHeartRadio, also on Google and Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast from. Well, coming up in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Scott O'Neill from Rethink Investing, and it's a good one in terms of commercial property because we're going to be having a look at three of the biggest commercial mistakes that people can make when purchasing commercial property, and we're also going to have a look at that all-important due diligence and three of the most important steps, and to round it off, we're going to have a look at three tips for negotiating negotiating, which is very, very tricky. So let's welcome in Scott O'Neill. G'day, Scott. G'day. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a Thursday. We've got you back on for Let's Talk Commercial. And firstly, let's have a look at those three biggest commercial mistakes that people can often make. Yeah. So this is something I've, I've witnessed many times over the years. Like when commercial investors first come to this space, they are chasing only yields. They've got that number, whether it's an 8% net return or a 7%, they've got this magic number in their head and that's what they want to hit. I think that's what I fell foul of. Like the first year I started investing in it, I just looked for the highest possible yield and I didn't look at quality as much. I guess if you're comparing a good quality 6% net yield versus a risky 8% net return, there's a lot more risk in in the 8% and your tenant may not stay there forever paying that high rent. So to novice investors, it's not only about the yield, it's about getting a good quality return, one that's bankable, you know, that's going to keep getting paid. Yeah, sometimes you need to go into the, uh, you know, I guess a better quality suburb, a longer lease. All those other factors come into play. It's not just yield, it's about the reliance on that that yield that comes through. So big message for first-time investors that you want the best quality return, not only just the highest return. And the second one, and it's something I've come across lately because I think there's a lot of seminars out there telling people to chase value-add properties. And this is one of the biggest mistakes I see where people come to commercial properties so fixated on adding value to properties, they buy poor quality property in the first place just to add value. And for me, it defeats the purpose because if you buy well in commercial property, you're going to get a fantastic return through natural measures, which is just the you know high rent value versus the purchase price. These are going to make you very good capital growth figures as well. If you're buying in a blue chip market where there's a lot of rent growth, yield compression, you're going to be making double digit returns without lifting a shovel. It's just something I've witnessed a lot over the years where people will come, generally inexperienced investors who, you know, try buy a vacant property and trying to fill it. And, you know, they're just getting too adventurous for themselves. And sometimes that just can cost more money. The vacancies might be longer than they think. Why is it vacant in the first place? Like these are the questions you've got to ask rather than just looking at a value-add place. So if you're an experienced commercial investor and you're repositioning an asset, that's a different ballgame. But when you're just trying to get into the market, just consider buying a good quality asset with a tenant already in place and uh, just pay the right price for it and you should do well. And the other one is trying to buy locally. This is like your old school way of investing. It's quite relevant to residential as well. Some people think it's just good to buy a property they can drive past every day. I've never understood that logic because I've, I've spent a career buying properties in all parts of the country and I chase property cycles where it's good value and, and that has made me a lot of money through capital growth and buying better and getting better yields than just trying to buy something down the street just because I can sit out front in a car looking at it. It's a comfortability thing. That's the the logic behind it. I, I get it. But yeah, when you know how to do proper due diligence, you should open up 
all your horizons and look across the whole country because you're going to get better deals if you uh, have a greater cross-section of properties to review. Yeah, and what I think is interesting is that I think sometimes people can look at commercial property maybe with the same residential lens, with far too much thinking along the same lines as residential outcomes. Yeah, it's, a, it's just people get a little bit too cute for themselves sometimes. They realise that sometimes doing something difficult doesn't end up in a better result. Again, if you buy well, like, you know, you don't need to do the full scale renovation on a property. You know, you might get a small return on your efforts out of it, but that's sweat equity a lot of the time. And yeah, look, I, trust me, I love a value added property. It's, it's one of our core principles to chase, but it, it should not be the number one priority. The number one priority should be look at the investment fundamentals as a, as a long term investment. Will it be relet? Is it in a, you know, do we have a good yield day one? Like these are more important for the bank, you know, in terms of getting the loan. It should be more important for you getting a cash flow return. And if there's a value add play on top, great. But I've seen people walk away from very good deals because I guess they're, they're just wanting more value add and, you know, they'd, they'd rather take a weaker deal day one. And often you don't get the, uh, the discount relevant to the risk you're taking as well. So, you know, same goes for a residential when people are looking for a duplex development. A lot of the time, the duplex profits factored into the price day one. You just got to be careful with that. It's just a, it's something that people can get unstuck if they uh, get too fixated on it. Well, let's have a look at the due diligence now because the three most important steps when acquiring commercial property, let's have a look and drill down on what people should be doing around due diligence. The first thing we do is check the numbers. Now, I know that sounds extremely basic, but there's a bit more to it than one would think. The rental rates, making sure the rental rate is fair. So let's say you're buying a property and it's renting for $150 a square meter. You can then compare what all your neighbors are renting. And if they're all paying 160, 170, 150, 180, you can start to, to form an opinion that maybe the rent's kind of a little bit unders because everyone else is averaging about 160. So that's good. That's a tick. That means your rent's not overinflated. Second part of checking the numbers is making sure the outgoings are what the agent or the, the owner has stated. Because there's no point buying a property if your outgoings were meant to be 20 grand a year, but really they're 40,000. Because that extra 20 grand in outgoings over underestimated could actually destroy the return on the investment. So that would mean you overpaid for it if you didn't get your head around what the true outgoings were on the property. And another part of checking the uh, the numbers is just checking the tenant has been paying the amount promised. So imagine you've bought a property and it's paying 100 grand a year, but really uh, the tenant had missed six months of payments. Then the numbers don't stack up. The numbers are, are about quantifying and qualifying exactly the true net return annually. Once you do that, you, you're going to have confidence that you know, you know your mortgage is going to get covered by this income. And that sounds so basic, but there's... There's a fair bit in it, like checking insurance premiums. Like you don't assume that the current insurance is going to be the same next year because premiums are going up. That could hurt your return. Maybe your rent, they've forgotten rental management as an outgoing. We're very outgoing sensitive with commercial. We need to understand it to the decimal point, which again is a very big difference to residential because residential, you kind of just buy it for the growth and you know the outgoings are the outgoings, the rates are the rates. So these are the, these are things as a commercial investor, you've got to be very clear with. The next one is a legal lease review. 
Yes, a legal lease review. This is an area where a lot of people can come to grief because they use the same lawyer that they use for residential transactions. How important is a commercial lawyer in this area of reviewing a legal lease review document? Make sure you use a commercial lawyer. Don't go to your local residential guy if they've never done commercial leases because uh, I've seen it many times, mistakes are made and that, again, could be a reason you've overpaid for the property. You must get a lawyer to look over every lease because it's like another contract and leases are notoriously contradictive. So they basically, they might say 100% of the outgoings are paid by the tenant, but in reality, they may have left out land tax or building insurance or rental management. So a lawyer will be able to protect you here. So this is this is great because it means you can handball the responsibility to them and then, you know, your job is to understand the legal lease review summary. Now, the next part, top three due diligence questions is uh, is really understanding the relatability. Now, this is the most abstract and toughest out of the three because sometimes you can't prove how long something will take to relet. But the best way I've found it over the years to understand the relatability is just to find similar properties. Go on RP data or price finder and you can actually see when a lease ad was put online and you can then see when it was first filled. So if you can find enough similar properties, you can actually quantify the, you know, the average vacancy similar properties have had. But with commercial, often there aren't many similar properties. Like if you're buying a fast food property or a supermarket or, you know, a a very large warehouse and there hasn't been a large warehouse go vacant in that suburb for quite a while, it gets a little bit hard to qualify and quantify. So I guess talking to the leasing managers on the ground are your next best bet. They're all going to give you different answers. If it's a competitor's listing, they're going to tell you it's going to take a long time to fill. If it's their listing, they're going to tell you it'll take very little time to fill. So take everyone's opinion with a pinch of salt you know it's all going to be varied but um yeah just try to find actuals you know when how long similar properties have been vacant for and and then that can come back into your risk profile to say you know look if there's a three-month vacancy with this property i can deal with that situation i like this deal i will proceed on that basis but if it was a two-year vacancy forget it that's not for you And one of the aspects to buying commercial property is the way in which you negotiate purchasing. And this can be fraught with a lack of understanding the basics of where you should arrive at the price. So Scott, what are the three tips for negotiating? When I first started looking into commercial property many years ago, I found it incredibly hard to to negotiate because I didn't know what things were priced at. But the biggest tip that got me in the right direction was understanding the leasing market and what rental rates should be. So if, uh, if you negotiate on a property that's got inflated rent, you're going to be paying too much. Like for example, if your rent is 20% over market and you offer on that rent, that means you paid 20% too much. So you've actually got to, before you even put an offer in, got to understand what the true market rent is, back calculate it, whatever the day one rent is, it doesn't matter. It's about the true market rent because that's what happens if your tenant leaves and you've got to find a new tenant and offer from that base. You know, it's difficult and then, you know, this is why there's professionals in this space. Like this is not just finding what the latest four bedroom house sold for and pay a similar amount to it. You really got to do the math. If you can't understand the local leasing market, then you're probably not going to be able to offer from a, a position of strength. Second is understanding the yields. Now, this is, again, similar to the leasing market. It's just another gauge on how to offer. If you understand that, like you're buying a childcare and all the childcares in that area are selling at 5% net yields, you can then divide the rent on that property by 
0.05, so 5%, and that will be the number you need to offer. So that's, that's called working out the cap rate of the market, the capitalization rate. But the best way I've always been able to negotiate is understanding these two things and being confident. So when I understand the market, we're actually a lot more confident in how we offer and that authority will actually help you negotiate. So if they come in at the, you know, an agent negotiates back at a silly number, you just use your facts and figures you've worked out for the, from these first two, you know, understanding the leasing markets and the cap rates. And all of a sudden you can use that, you know, spreadsheets or whatever to actually give back to the agent or the owner to show the logic in your number. You know, that's been a very big strength for, for my career as a commercial buyer's agent because um, I'm not influenced on the price. I, I sort of know the price through just looking at the data. Again, that's why I like commercial property because there's less, you know, emotion in the market, you know, like what a pretty four-bedroom house is going for. Like, you, you know, that could go 20% over market because two families fall in love with it. Commercial families don't fall in love with it. It's all a bit complicated, but once you get the hang of sort of mixing those three options, you know, the confidence and also measuring the, the leasing market versus the yield, you'll never overpay for a property again. Wow, there is such a lot of key information in there which you have covered on the commercial side. So once again, thank you for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast, Scott, and we'll talk next time. Thank you for your time, Craig. Appreciate it. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 